0: Welcome to episode 97 of the Elevate Your Running Podcast. My name is Sarah Mandershed. My co-host is Austin Myers. And today I'm here on a solo episode to talk to you about you have raced. You have recovered after your fall A-goal race. Now what? Actually, let's take a step back. Maybe you haven't recovered from that A-goal race, right? Um, We're going to talk... All about that in-between phase of coming off of a fall season and going into a spring season. So today I'm going to talk about what that off-season or that rest and recovery looks like, the pre-season, some cross-training that you could potentially add into this few months in between the cycles, as well as an idea on how to get faster, and then also um, what can happen if you stop running altogether. So this is going to be a really great episode. It's an episode that I've wanted to record over really since a few weeks ago, um, because I thought it was very timely. And a few other podcasts went out there and started talking about it. And I thought, yes, like let's really lean into this. Let's have a really great conversation and an honest conversation because anytime as athletes, I think when we hear rest, recover, maybe you don't see any runs on your schedule for the week, it can feel A lot of different feels, right? A lot of different things can come up with that, good or not so good. So it's okay. We're going to talk about all of it and make sure um, everyone feels seen and heard and validated in how they show up kind of in this season. So before we get to it, I want to share with you, if you are possibly coming off of your fabulous fall, a goal race, and you're going into your spring cycle Maybe evaluate like what worked, what didn't work in your fall race. And if something didn't work like your progression in the race, your process goals, your outcome goals, take a step back and think about what you can change with that. One of the ways that you can absolutely up-level is when you um, stress your body in a new way. And typically that can come from, it can come from a lot of different ways, but it can also come from following a new training plan or working with a coach. So if you're looking to show up strong and confident and ready to tackle your spring race, you have the training, you have the right training, you have the fitness that you've always wanted And you have that stamina for the race distance. It's all something you can have with the Elevate Your Running Beginner and Intermediate Training Plans. They're now available in the base phase, which is a crucial part of where we kind of are in this season of running as athletes in like the November, December holiday season. 5K, 10K, half and marathon distances on elevateyourrunning.com forward slash download dash training dash plans. Now, these plans were personally built by myself. I did this. Um, And they are constructed with a lot of love, with a lot of different um, workouts, a lot of different long runs, a lot of variation to meet you where you're at. So there are time, they are written by time on feed and there's a lot of really great durations of time on feet so you can decide how you want to show up that day and whether you always choose the lowest or the highest as long as you stay healthy you're going to excel at the race so each plan also contains a downloadable run terminology guide nutrition and fueling guide suggested strength training exercises and a race day planner sheet it's the pro coaching you want for less than a 12 pack of your favorite running gels you can save 20% right now with code elevate20. That's capital E at checkout. And that's at elevateyourrunning.com forward slash download dash training dash plans. I'm so excited. I'm getting really great feedback from those who have purchased the training plans. Um, and I can't wait to share them soon on an upcoming episode so you can hear about all the great wins that they've been having, and we can all celebrate together. Um, so this episode is going to be also. Really, really, really great. Before I jump in, I also want to mention Austin and I are just super grateful for how much the podcast has grown over the last six months specifically. So um, I want to hold a little contest. So right now we're on episode 97, episode 100 is scheduled to be released. I believe it's December 7th. We're actually really, really excited about this episode because we are bringing on a guest and it's going to be a really cool episode. I think every single runner in the entire world, but every single runner listening to this podcast will gain something from this From this episode, Um, we are so, just so, so, so excited about this. So it's going to be really great. So between now and December 7th, we would love for you to subscribe to the podcast as well as rate the podcast, specifically on Spotify. So if you rate the podcast on Spotify, I will raffle off um, a gift basket with a bunch of Elevate um, Kate's real food bars, which are gluten-free and organic and a bunch of scratch items. These are brands that have uh, worked with me and have elevated me and the athletes that I work with and I'd love to give back to you, our listeners in return. So this contest is going to run all the way up through December 7th. All you need to do is jump on Spotify, leave us uh hopefully it's a great review, but leave us a review and um, and then, I will pick a winner after December 7th. So December 7th is our 100th episode. It's going to be amazing. And we're really excited about it. Okay. So for this episode today, we're going to talk all about that in-between phase. And sometimes it can be really scary. Let's say you have been training for a half or a marathon. You've been training for 12, 16. I mean, some athletes train for 20 weeks. It all kind of depends on where they are when they start running, what makes sense for them, and what their goal is for their goal race. So um, it can be really, really scary because it's it's time that could be unstructured. It's time where if whether you're working with a coach or not, maybe you're driven off of goals. You're not necessarily sure where to go. It's okay. I see and hear you. And there's a purpose behind really every um, every week, every day in training. And this also gets to be kind of filled with how you really wanna go about the next few months, but also what's gonna fill your cup the most because that is what I believe in. Make it fun, make it something that you really want to do. Now, every now and again, we do get to do things that we don't wanna do, but this period of time, maybe you're coming off of, um Berlin Chicago um St. George Indianapolis I keep thinking twin cities but that race didn't happen you could have still trained for it right um and you're unsure of what to do so first things first is we all get to recover we all get to rest and this gets to be what we call the off season um typically For marathoners, this should be at least a week. Um, I know that might seem aggressive to people. I know on social media, we see people running marathons and then running the next day. Um, I actually, when I see that, I cringe because I know how I feel when I take a week off. I can't even imagine how awful that run feels the next day. And specifically when you run something strong and you have like a really big PR and I'm thinking back to my, um, my Chicago race, I actually flew home that day, which I don't know, isn't, it is what it is. And (laughs) I could barely walk the next day, let alone run. Um, but everyone does it differently. Right. So You get to treat and have respect for race day. First and foremost, it's a celebration of all the hard work that you've been doing. It is a celebration of all the fitness that you've gained over the training cycle. And hopefully things have aligned for you to show up and run your heart out and have a really great day. It doesn't always happen that day, but if you're still putting your body through the emotional and physical stress of racing something that's going to be faster than easy pace. And gosh, even if you're running a marathon, just that time on feet, if you're running it, quote unquote, easy, is still very stressful to the body and the mind. And it's not just on the outside. Like a lot of times I'll hear athletes say, but I feel good, coach. And while that could be true, um, the inside of your body isn't feeling good and you just don't see it right? You don't see your muscles. You don't see your tendons. You don't see the inflammation that is flowing through your body. There's studies out there show that even getting, um, a massage after a race should be at least on day six of at like post race to allow your muscles to relax, to reduce the fatigue and allow that inflammation to really calm down. So it is a really big piece to how if you want to show up strong in 2024 is really taking that time to really honor not just race day and everything that you got to do on race morning, but also your season and your training cycle. Yes, we had deload weeks or recovery weeks. Yes, we had a taper, but it's not enough to actually give your body everything it needs. It gives it enough to be able to keep going and the taper gives it enough to feel like you're in total beast mode and that you are ready to go. Legs are puppy; they're feeling good, and you're ready to rock. And if you haven't felt like that after a taper on race day, DM me. I know a coach who can get you there. So your muscles, your tendons, and your mind the mind is very important in this too. It all needs time to recover from the training stress and the race day load. So even depending on what type of race and distance you ran this fall, your body might need to take up to six weeks to feel totally normal again. I had an athlete run Chicago. She absolutely crushed it. I hope she's listening to this. Um, And she ran a PR. It was a great day for her. And she took the full the next week totally off from running, But she did have more time on feet, I think, than an average person um would after running a marathon because she stayed, quote unquote, on vacation. And after running Chicago, she stayed in the Midwest for a while. So her schedule was a bit more abnormal than it would have been if she flew back to Colorado and just went back to work, right? So she wasn't feeling. Super. You know, she wasn't feeling terrible, but she wasn't feeling super. And just over the weekend, she finally, like, I got her comment on on final surge. And she's like, this is the first run that finally felt good. And you know what I'm talking about. If you've run and raced hard, you know exactly what I'm talking about that feel good feeling after you raced. And it's six weeks from Chicago, right? And that's, totally okay. It's totally okay if it's going to take you 6 weeks to rest or recover or actually feel normal again. Now you can still run during that time, but I think it's really important that you do take a good amount of rest and solid like no running style of recovery um after a big race like a marathon. Um If you get back into it too quickly, too, your body and mind have a greater chance of feeling flat and unable to really produce what your training plan and what your future goals and what you want for your future goals, right? You want to achieve your future goals in 2024. It could be really tough to do that if you get back into running and running maybe too much mileage or too quick of um, you're running too fast during your your easy runs or your workouts, or maybe you do a long, long run, right? Um, You're also flirting very heavily with that burnout and injury, right? And I've been there. So that's kind of the cool part to all of this. I've been there, I've done that, and I'm not doing it again. (laughs) So I ran my first marathon in 2019 at CIM. And um had gone through a 12 week training cycle with my current coach now and it was like a huge like wake up call when i started training with her because i was doing a lot of like fitness classes and i was running maybe like 3 or 4 times a week um but i'd really picked up more running that summer and before that summer i would say i wasn't running a whole lot not anywhere near what i'm doing now and you know, it was a 12 week, like, Oh my gosh, kind of like each week just got bigger and bigger. Like I obviously had recovery weeks, but, um, it was a huge wake up call on like just the amount of time and stress marathon training is right. So I remember telling myself, um, In the last 10K at CIM, it's like you never have to run another mile step again. Just get this race over with and like hold pace, which I did. I held pace, which I was really excited about. Um, and I think it's really important that you know, you don't get into that burnout sort of mindset, which is what I was in for sure. Like I took Two full weeks off of running after that race. And I really needed it for my mind. I really needed it for my body. I had a ton of niggles in this training prep. And I think a lot of it was I was doing huge speed days that I had never done before. I was running, you know, long runs up to, I got three or four 20 mile long runs in. I never went over 20, but I was able to get those 20s under like three hours. Some had workouts, some didn't. Um, but I also had a big goal and my coach was, um, the only coach at the time. And I'm pretty sure the universe had something to do with this that believed in me that I could be Q or Boston qualify in my first marathon. I had other coaches that I'd reached out to prior to reaching out to Nell, And they said, ooh, I don't know about that. That's a pretty big goal, but not based off of my half marathon time. They just weren't listening to me. So going back to CIM, like I had a lot going on and it was a huge up level into training. I had a lot of niggles. I was getting dry needled like twice a week. I was really kind of a wreck actually, like looking back on it. I was getting massages like I was doing everything I could do to get through this race and just get through it. Um I ended up pulling my high hamstring. Um not pulling it, I strained it during a half marathon in Moab <laughs> 6 weeks before. 10 days before the race, I like rolled my foot over this like trunk of ice in Wash Park at the turkey trot. I was a mess. And yet I still ended up going into this race. And I'm like, just finish it. You never have to run again. Um, So my next, and then insert, let's say the pandemic, right? Insert the pandemic. So my next race was the Boston Marathon. And that didn't actually go anywhere near what we were hoping for. And I was working with a different coach at the time. And it was kind of a disaster of a race. And I think maybe we've all been there where it's like, oh, I just need to prove myself. I need to like prove to myself that I can do this. So I signed up for another marathon, like on the flight back from Boston. Highly don't recommend doing that. And this marathon was four months away. And I was actually signed up for the half. And I just changed my book to the marathon. I'm like, I'm gonna do this again. And I kind of fell in love with that process during the Bost, like the Boston. Race itself fell in love with that process of the puzzle pieces to the marathon and how to race a marathon well and how to execute a negative split marathon, how to fuel the marathon, how to get through it. I kind of like really was intrigued by that. And I also love to run and train. So, like, the training supported that. I love running a lot. And then to have that puzzle piece aspect to racing a really strong marathon really, really was exciting for me. So that's actually why I continued to marathon, maybe still is. Um, So I went into, so I ran Marathon Monday. I ended up taking two days off and then I started running again for this Mesa Marathon four months later. And it was awful. It was absolutely awful. I didn't feel good. I didn't communicate that I didn't feel good because I was kind of in denial about it. And I really wanted to run this marathon and I thought things would like get better. And they just kind of didn't. I felt flat most of the time. I felt like I was unable to hit paces that I should have been able to run. It was a really tough winter to run outside in Colorado. And at least during like the months of December and January and I was running in snow a lot. And my coach at the time was really big on time on feet. So I wasn't getting the, I was getting the time on feet in, but not the mileage, which I think mentally was a really, um, big piece to not running well at Mesa. And, um, and it just didn't work out in my favor. So I hope that story is, (laughs) is a good reminder that sometimes you know taking that time to rest and recover is okay and let's normalize it right i was listening to the running explained podcast from a few weeks ago and she had on the relentless runners coach tony shout out to tony if she's listening she's probably not but i love tony and um i only know her through instagram but she seems absolutely amazing and they were talking about how it's okay A to take that time to rest. Right. But also like how anxious a lot of athletes are with that week off or with a few days off and they don't actually know how to flow through it. They don't know how to be. And I think that's really interesting because I probably fall in that category to some extent. And I think it's A total, it's a totally normal feeling. And it's also something where if you are experiencing that, to kind of take a step back and think, why can't I rest? Or why can't I take a week off to sleep in? Or to wake up at the same time and enjoy my coffee and maybe read some news articles online or listen to the new Taylor Swift album or (laughs) read about Taylor Swift, right? Like there's so many things that we could do. We could be spending time with friends and family, our pets. We could be catching up on books that we haven't been able to read or listen to, or maybe it's podcasts. Um cleaning out your closet or your home. Like there's so many things that you could do in this time. And yet after we put ourselves all out there, it's really hard to detach from like, maybe it's the identity of a runner and really wanting that like schedule and that, you know, especially if you are a morning runner, like waking up and getting out the door to get your run in. So it's kind of interesting. So if you fall in that category, I'd love for you to just take a step back whoop, and figure out the why behind it. And whatever the why is, it's totally okay. It's you. And you're pretty great. You're very great, actually. So. Just I think the first step is like self-awareness, knowing why it's happening and then doing things to maybe help um, get you through it. So you can take that time to rest and recover because your body is going to thank you next year when you are wanting to crush all the things and just feel good in your training cycle, which is a huge piece, I think, to training. You want to feel good. It's not going to feel good every day. You're going to have seasons where it doesn't feel good, but you do want it to generally feel good. And I realize that social media doesn't make it any easier. There are a bunch of people out there who run the day after a marathon. Um, and I have to say this because it's kind of like maybe the elephant in the room. <laughs> maybe it's not. Um, you know, Austin didn't really take any time to rest after Indy, and I haven't talked to him about why. Why? Um, he just got back from a really big trip in new in New York that required a lot of time on feet. So it could have been part of that reason. And he's also been training for ultras and has run marathons while training for ultras. So there's a lot of different moving pieces, I think, too, to every athlete's training and racing and recovery. So sometimes it's not it's it's tough to take things um so seriously on social media right because it is the highlight reel and people are just going to show you what they want to show you and maybe not explain it i know i was back to running after racing the indie half um the next day kind of surprised i didn't have a rest day but that's okay i made do it was fine i ended up running on a treadmill and which was the best recovery I could have done for myself. And I took the rest of the week very, very, very easy. And I think I posted in my stories that the reason I wasn't resting was because I still had and got to race another race that I kind of forgot about during training for the fall races to be totally transparent. Like the Chicago 5k and the Indy half were in my mind, like all season. And then like, when someone would ask about the marathon, I'm like, Oh my gosh, yes, I am. That's right. I'm doing that. (laughs) I'm doing that. So, um, so that can be a reason why there isn't more rest and recovery after a big race like that. Um, but I think it's important to know that, you know, whatever you need and whatever feels good is going to be probably the right choice for You so all of the elevate athletes, I should say 95% of the elevate athletes get um big, big, big downtime after um racing really hard. And even if you run a 5k, 10K and you're new to that distance, congratulations, you probably just ran one a terrific race. It was if it was your first 5k or 10k, congratulations, you just PR'd and you just earned yourself a few rest days. When I got back into racing 5Ks, like I don't know, I raced a heli 5K like maybe two winters ago. I was so sore the next day. My long run felt awful. And I could have totally taken a rest day, right? That rest and recovery is just a great way to lean into all those other hobbies and seeing your friends again, having those slower mornings, or just doing absolutely nothing, which is okay. It's totally okay. And this, my friends, is what we call the off-season. Now, another thing that happened to me during my CIM prep was I did have someone comment. It wasn't on my prep, it was on my two week hiatus after running the race and needing that time off, not just for my mind, but physically. I had so many niggles and so many things that I needed to work on that I had posted about taking like two weeks off. And of course, my first run back was five, it was a five mile run in Wash Park. And I ran like, way too fast. I ran like faster than marathon pace because I ran a 7:50 average at CIM. I remember the run came in at 7:30 and I was like, I just feel so good and like I had no idea what I was doing. So um I did feel good and I posted about it and I remember there was like a, a coach that had commented on it. It was not the coach I was working with or I actually or any coach that I'd worked with and they basically like shamed me for taking two weeks off. And I thought, oh my gosh, bro, you have no idea like how much I needed this mentally, how much I needed this physically. My hamstring was still something I felt on every single run. And if you have strained your high hamstring, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And um, and my foot was still kind of a mess from rolling it over that ice chunk 10 days before the race. So I really needed to like slow my roll and get some sleep and really, really recover. So I think it's okay. As long as you know that what you're doing is good for you, then congratulations. It's good for you. So um, I think it's also important to like, if you are going to take maybe a longer off season, quote unquote, that, you know, it's a good way, I would say, looking back on your entire year, right? See how much time you've actually taken off. If you are one of those chronic uh, training, racing athletes, I think I fall in that category. (laughs) I know I do for this year. Um, You might not have actually taken off as much time as you should have, right? And you've gotten away with it which is the same bucket I fall in right now. So, you know, if you have, and if you stack your training cycles, I went from Houston half straight into Boston prep. I remember after racing Houston in January, I had a week recovery, but I still had like a marathon workout on that Wednesday. And it was, it was a disaster and, um, went into Boston, race Boston or ran Boston and um, ended up taking six days off. I got six full days off, and the goal it was originally communicated that I was gonna get two weeks off and I thought, yes, this is great. like I'm gonna hike after I recover, like take a full week off, and then I'm gonna like spend so much time with Kenzie. it's gonna be awesome. and because I didn't really race Boston and I ran Boston, which is different, my coach texted on day six and said, let's get back to running. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Cause she knows how much I love running and I do, but I was also mentally also prepared to take another week off. Right. Well, then we went into Boulder, Boulder, 10 K training on Memorial weekend. We went straight into, um, the summer of speed, the one mile, the 5k, Training And that flowed straight into my fall prep for the Chicago 5K, the Indianapolis half, and then CIM. And I didn't really realize this until I was prepping for this episode that I've only taken six full rest days off after a race. And everything else has been pretty status quo. Um, so knock on wood, I'm about a little over two weeks out from CIM. So we're going to take some extended time off after CIM. So like a week and a half, which is going to feel really great. And then we're going to start our reverse taper back into, you know, some weekly mileage that will feel good for me to run, um, next year based on what I want to do next year. So, um, so that is what we call the off season. So like, let's get into the preseason. So you've run your race, you've rested, you've recovered, you've hung out with friends, you've slept in, you've had some great cups of coffee. You've listened to the new Taylor Swift album. Life is good. So now we're going into the preseason. So this is what a lot of us might be in right now, unless you are running something like CIM or Houston. So, fall has ended. The spring training hasn't really begun yet, but you need to be doing something, right? You want to get your body prepped for this training cycle. So, you allowed your body that rest and recovery. You're getting back into some consistent mileage. You're in the reverse taper, which the reverse taper is basically like the same as the taper from high mileage. You taper down to race. You rest, recover for a week. Maybe it's 10 days, two weeks. And then you start to build back time on feet and mileage slowly. And it's not like if you are running six days in your training for your goal race, you're not going back to six days of running in that first week. You might go back to three days of running or four days of running, depending on how many cycles you have stacked and how long you've been training, how long you've been training consistently how long you've been healthy. There's a lot of factors that go into it. And it's a really cool piece to training because it can take a few weeks. That athlete that I shared with you earlier where she's like, yes, I finally feel good after running Chicago. We've been holding, we haven't really been even reversing. It's been like three or four things on her schedule for the week that have all been very short and also totally optional, which is something that I love during kind of this, get back to it. Everything gets to be optional. Um, So you reverse taper back and it might take a few weeks. It might take a little bit longer to kind of build back. It all kind of depends on every athlete's going to be different. You're not building back up to peak mileage. You're building up to what is a good mileage for you in this section of training Before you go into your next training cycle. So, if you start your training cycle running 30, let's say it's 30 miles, you're going to train for a half marathon in 2024. You're going to start January 1st and you're starting out, or let's, yeah, you're getting, you're starting out at 30 miles a week and you're going to build from there because you want to peak maybe at like mid 40s or something. And it's a 12 week cycle then you're probably going to be running the majority of the rest of this preseason, building back up to about 25. And then a few weeks before your season starts, you might get up to 28 or something like that. And then week one, you start out at 30 miles, something like that. So if that makes sense. Um, So it's definitely not a peak mileage week. This is a great time in your training to really it continue to improve your aerobic capacity your aerobic foundation and you can build speed so you're still running workouts you gradually ease into these workouts these are workouts that are going to be designed to support your next training cycle but they're not really the workouts for your next training cycle if that makes sense so if you're running the half marathon and you're training for it in early 2024 this is a good time to work on running 400s, running 800s. Maybe you get in some strong tempos once you feel totally recovered, but it's a build process. So maybe those 400s are light 400s and the 800s are on the lighter side of 800s. And you work on some fast finishes. You work on some 200s. You work on maybe that threshold of running four by four minutes, that threshold to really kind of move that needle and wear that Threshold level is. And you can build the intensity as you work your way through this preseason cycle. But it's not in your best interest to start your first workout back, guns ablazing, and you're trying to hit, you know, 3K pace in your workouts. It's just not one realistic. And two, it's very actually sounds very painful. So. <laughs> your body's not ready for that your mind's not ready for that and it's not going to set you up for success for 2024 so a lot of times um training you know without a plan has its own purpose especially if you're mentally fatigued from structured training so there's always a place for this if you are kind of like mentally or physically fatigued from too much structured training of taking that time to really um, lean into what you want to do before getting back into your workouts or getting back into that preseason, right? You want to make sure that you're just strong, 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 strong going into that next cycle. So, congratulations. You've finished your fall race. You have rested and recovered. You have some spring training coming up. How do you want to structure this time in training? Well, we talked about the off season, We've talked about the preseason. Let's talk about cross training, which can absolutely fall into preseason. And I think if you are looking to stack training cycles and get faster, there still gets to be a lot of running. And I see a lot of running. There still gets to be running during this time. But if you are someone that really enjoys cross training, it could be a good opportunity to sprinkle that in. I personally, for myself as an athlete, do not want to cross-train. I don't like it. I would rather run, basically. I just love running. So, and it works for me. And I also get that it doesn't work for everyone or running high mileage doesn't work for everyone. So there can be a lot of really good benefits to cross-training. If you're prone to injury, I would first and foremost look to see how fast you're running your recovery and your easy days. If you're running too fast, slow your roll, slow, 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 slow your roll. And I'd also take a look at your shoes. Um, I love rotating my shoes. It's something that even on easy and recovery days, I have four or five different pairs of shoes that I rotate through. And then I have a pair that's specifically just for workouts. And then I have a pair that's specifically for my long run. And so those only get used once a week. And then my other shoes get, you know, used like throughout the week. So rotating your shoes is a great way to stay injury-free. You can have the same shoe. You can have different shoes, but rotating is one. It's fun. It's uh, really fun to just put on different shoes every day. And your shoes last longer. So it's not really like a money, like it is an investment upfront, but you're still going to be buying that same number of shoes because you're rotating through the shoes and the shoes actually hold up a little bit longer because you're not wearing them every single day. They have a chance to breathe. And they have a chance to kind of reconstruct back to their original form after you wear them. So it is a good place to be. And if you just love one pair of shoes, that's great. Buy four of them and wait till they're on sale or Amazon has usually a great deal on like prior season shoes. So it's a game changer. If you haven't done that, just start with like one pair to rotate, like two pairs that you can rotate through game changer let's say you're still getting injured, then I would totally evaluate your strength training and your mobility commitment during the week. How many days a week are you running? How many days are you uh, completing mobility work? And what does your strength training look like? Are you running too fast? And are you rotating through different pairs of shoes to keep your feet healthy and happy? Unless you roll over a chunk of ice in Wash Park during a turkey trot. Otherwise, your feet should stay happy and healthy. um So there could be too str- too much stress in your training load before you want to add in some cross training, right? So I'd evaluate kind of where you are in terms of how fast you're running, your strength training, your mobility, how many days a week are you running, what does your recovery look like, and then start to shift a little, shift some things around, tweak some things around to see if you get better. Maybe you'll get healthy. I know that when I started to run my easy days easy and my hard days hard, that I started to see my PT far less. And then when I added in strength, I don't see him until I go in for tune ups. And that's a fact. It's a fact. He jokes about it when I come in. He's like, Well, you must be getting ready for a race because. And it's not to say I can't get injured because everyone can get injured. And I'm a big believer that like, well, there's a saying, whether you're healthier, you're injured, it's not going to last forever. Right. But it's doing all the things that I can possibly do to set myself up for success. So I'm not injured. Right. So you may need to adjust things in your training to see if that helps with the injury rate. And if it doesn't, then yes, you probably do need to back off some of that running. Add in very specific strength training work and then add in either biking or swimming. The ellipticals is okay. Um, and try to work hard to get your heart rate out of that zone one when you're biking. And then swimming is a great recovery um, exercise to do and a great cross training uh, movement to add to your schedule and add to your training if you want that, especially in the preseason before you get ready to go into all things training for 2024. So there are a lot of benefits to cross training, but you'll want to evaluate them and what's going to work for you and everyone's going to be different. I was on the Jason Fitzgerald Strength Running Podcast a few weeks ago. We talked about cross training and then he created a reel about it. And the reel was about asking me what I thought about cross-training. And I had mentioned that I didn't love hiking as cross-training, but I didn't really expand on that. And I got zinged with a comment from someone who I know, actually. So I wasn't super excited about that. Zinged with a comment. That basically was throwing my comment under the bus because hiking has a ton of benefits. And I thought that was very interesting because the way he described or what he was doing, which was hiking Mount Sinitis in Boulder, Colorado, twice a week, was very beneficial to his training. And I would say to that person, correct, that is amazing cross training. Mount Sinitis is a little over a mile, I think it's 1.1 miles up and you gain over a thousand feet of vertical gain, your heart rate is in zone two within the first 60 seconds of hiking. But what we want to avoid is uh, like flatter hiking, or I know a lot of people outside of Colorado, if they're walking on like a soft surface trail or a dirt trail, they'll call that hiking, but their heart rate is staying in like low zone one, right? So that wouldn't be beneficial cross training that's just extra time on feet it's like walking kenzie walking my dog it's like it's extra movement it's extra time on feet but it's not contributing to my success of running now hiking something like a 1.1 mile up and then you have an option of hiking down like straight down so another 1.1 and there's a few other paths where you can go you know a little bit longer at mount sonitas um is absolutely great. And I would actually ask that athlete, like, well, was that also a double? Were you running in the morning and then hiking at night? Or was it a true cross training of today is my day to hike Sanitas and I'm not running at all. And it doesn't matter because your heart rate's probably in zone three within the first five minutes. It's that steep. It's actually really, really fun. So if you're ever in Boulder, um, highly recommend doing it. It's a lot of fun with incredible views. Um, But it's all about context and like what is actually happening in terms of how hard are you biking? How hard are you ellipticaling? How hard are you hiking? Um, and if you're out there just jonesing for like a nice stroll, it's probably not going to get the benefit that you want to get from that cross training session. And if anything, it can just be more of a hobby or a recreational thing, which is amazing too. So you absolutely want to make sure that it adds to your training and that it doesn't take away from your training. So another idea is you know, after the off season in your transition to the preseason, maybe you transition to the preseason for a few weeks so you do have that reverse taper. Let's head, head into a speed block, right? Now you'll want to gradually get into this, but let's say hypothetically, you're running a marathon in December. You're taking 10 days off after, which is going to bring you to mid-December, and you've decided you're going back to speed, and you're going back to speed for a long time. And when I say long time, it's not three months. It could be the first half of the year. And that's okay. I think that's a really great place to be. And I'm using this example because it's probably what I'm doing, (laughs) and it's... This is like the time where you can go back into gradually building up speed and then having a very quality speed cycle. So maybe you're not racing until the grandma's half marathon, which I'm not doing, but let's say the grandma's half marathon in June, or you're prepping for a fall. Marathon. So you want to get in some quality speed sessions, some quality speed blocks, and really some quality speed training cycles. The fastest way to get faster at the half in the marathon is to train the 5k and 10k. I've personally experienced it firsthand doing, you know, my summer of speed. And it was something that my coach had pointed out last fall to me saying like, you do not have any pace gauges and speed gauges that I want you to have. We have to work on this after Boston because Boston was already scheduled and we didn't have time to do it in between. So it's a good place to be. I spent all summer working on it: June, July, and August. So three months. That was enough time to get me up to get me up to speed on my speed. So Um, So you could take three months, you could take four months, you could take six months, you could take two months, but it does get to be structured correctly. So you stay healthy, you don't burn out, and you stay um, just happy in the process, right? If you are a chronic marathoner, it's probably going to put you outside of your comfort zone very quickly. And even though I'm choosing to go back to speed, I already know that that first session, once I'm back up to 100%, 100% speed, right? So it'll take some time to get there. It's not going to feel good and it's going to be very uncomfortable, but that's exactly why I have to do it if I want to break three hours in the marathon. Um, so it's a really, really great place to be. You can work on speed for as long as you really need and want to. What's absolutely so cool about it is you can build, um, let's say it's it's an eight or 12 week cycle of speed. It's a dedicated cycle intended with the idea that you'll be racing that goal race. Let's say it's a 5k at the end of the training cycle, or let's say it's a 10k Lululemon just announced today that their next 10k race is in LA March 30th. Since I am doing a winter of speed, I may or may not be there. It'll be a lot of fun. Hopefully I'm there. Not totally in yet. Um, But maybe, maybe it's a Lululemon 10K. That's your goal race. Maybe it's the Boulder Boulder on Memorial Day. That's your goal race. Sprinkle in some other shorter races. So if you are racing a 10K, let's say that's your goal. Sprinkle in some like one mile, two mile. 5k races. It's going to make training a little bit easier to get through because it's going to chunk it up a little bit more. You're going to recover pretty fast from these races. It's not like a marathon recovery process. And you're going to learn so much about yourself in that process of racing that once you get to your A goal race of let's say it's running a sub 40 at Boulder Boulder or running a PR at the Lululemon 10k, on March 30th in LA like you'll know what's going to work and what's not going to work to achieve that goal which is so cool and if you have access to it like the boulder boulder is a very unique course it's designed it's very tough it's very tough it's a lot of incline and in very strange parts of the 10k and it's very difficult. There's a lot of turns and it's just very difficult. So I have, um, I have actually quite a few athletes training for this as their a goal for next spring, which is really cool. And I'm going to have them run tempos on that course. I'm going to have them run workouts and long runs. I'm going to have them running faster than 10 K on that course. So when they get to the race, they feel confident. They feel ready. They know the turns, like the back of their hand. They know when they can start to push. They know that they've been running 5K and 8K at different points on that course, and they're going to be ready to go. And it's going to be a really cool thing. So, if you do have access to, let's say it's a local race, absolutely get on that course and use it during your training. I wouldn't necessarily use it for easy runs, maybe the first day to get just the lay of the land, but I would absolutely run workouts that are faster than your goal race pace. And your long runs where there is something more like that tempo effort or something else in there, it will help you tremendously on race day. So that's a really cool place to be. When you are kind of training speed, you can jump in and race quite a bit. You don't necessarily taper for those races because they're so short. You just have like a, it's more of like a recovery week. And it's not even like at the beginning of the week, it wouldn't, it would be a normal week. It's just more like it tapers down as you get closer to, um, to the race, which is a lot of fun. Okay. And lastly, you race a fall race. You rest and recover and you don't come out of that rest and recovery. (laughs) I'm laughing because I'm sure I've been there too. How many times have you gone into a race? And maybe this was years ago. Maybe it's it's your friend. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's your training partner. Maybe it's someone you coach. How many times do you see athletes put their heart and soul into training They absolutely crush their race and then nothing. They do nothing for months. And then they have the idea to run the same distance again 12 months later. And they go through the same training cycle and then they don't really have the same outcome as they did last time. But then again, months go by, they rest, recover, they don't do a whole lot, they don't do a lot of running. And then they go in and they try and have a bigger goal for the same distance, same training cycle. What do you think happens? It doesn't go well. One of the best ways to continue to get faster, to get stronger, to have your body be able to do more is stacking the training cycles. So it's really important that if it is a sport that you love, if it is something that you want to go after, if it's something that You want to show up strong and healthy for it. Something that you want to show your kids, or that you want to show your neighbors, or you want to show the people who are watching you what it looks like to be a runner and to be committed to running the health, the wellness, the commitment, the habits, right? All the things. So many great things that come out of training. It's a cool place to be. So if you want to be that person, absolutely lean into it. It's okay to take time off. It's okay to take a preseason. It's okay to say, you know, I PR'd every single distance. I want to take some time to just work on some fine tuning of my running form, some 200s, some 400s. I just want to get back to running for fun and for joy, which should really be in the training cycle. I've talked about this before, but I also know that everyone doesn't have it in every training cycle. And I get that. So if it is something that you're missing, definitely finding that joy and that love again, for sure is a big piece to it. Um, But if you stop for months on end, and then you try and train again for that same race distance with a bigger goal, it's probably not going to happen, right? This is called detraining. So some athletes have this happen where they just stop running. And sometimes it's life, right? Sometimes it's work commitments, it's family commitments, it's stress levels. There's a change in your life. There's a change in your family and there's just things going on where you can't train and that's okay. That's not what I'm talking about. I think we all know at least someone who might run like the same race every year and they only train for those three months. And it is what it is and all those things. And maybe those people aren't listening to this podcast. Maybe they are. But if those those athletes are listening, one of the best ways to get faster is if you can continue to train and structure your training in a way that does work for your life. So even if it is, hey, I'm running one race a year, it's a half marathon, it's a marathon. So in between... Those big training cycles where I am all in, I'm putting everything into it. I'm only running three or four days a week. I have a baby or a short workout. I keep my long run at 10 miles and I just do that. And that's okay. That's at least starting from somewhere versus starting from ground zero and trying to work your way up into training. So I highly, highly, highly recommend that if you are a marathoner who can't stop, won't stop, (laughs) I highly encourage you not just as a coach, but as a runner who has witnessed that these benefits firsthand, um, and as your friend, as your podcast friend to take a step back from marathoning, especially if you're You've, mar- you've raced for a marathon three cycles in a row. Take a step back and work on some speed. Take a training cycle or two to work on speed. Now that could be half marathon speed. That could be 10K, 5K, one mile. It's really up to you. All of those distances will absolutely help you up level. Absolutely. You will learn so much about yourself as an athlete about what you're capable of, the mindset around getting outside of your comfort zone. And it's going to make all of the tempos and the marathon pace feel so much easier. And that's such a cool place to be. It's such an empowering feeling to be. I remember my first tempo outside of speed, the summer of speed, it was five miles. My coach does not joke around people. It was five miles at seven minute mile pace. And I thought to myself, well, gosh, I've been running like mile repeats at, you know, 45 seconds faster than this. So like, I should, I can do this. I should totally be able to do this. Now let's revert, reverse back to Boston. Let's say like it was, I don't know, before that going into Boulder, Boulder after Boston going into Boulder, Boulder five miles at seven minute mile pace would have scared the life out of me. Would have scared me. I would have thought, there's no way I can do that. That's way too fast. But when you work on speed, it not only gives you the speed, but it absolutely gives you this incredible mental strength to tell yourself, hold up, I can totally do that. Because I've done things much harder at much faster paces, maybe for shorter duration. But if you're running something longer at a slower pace, theoretically, I should be able to do this. And I did it. And I ran it really strong and it felt really good. And that is a gift I'd love for us all to have. You want that pace to feel easy, right? You're going to up-level your training if you do that. you're going to find a whole new level of fitness going into 2024 or maybe it's taking the first few months of 2024 right, to do that. And it's going to be such a game changer in how you show up for the rest of 2024, what you want to create and beyond. So if you do have those really big goals that you're going after, going to speed and being strategic, having, please have a plan going into it. it. It's a highly intensive training cycle or training piece. So All the days surrounding it get to be very easy and the long run can't be too stressful either. So there is a lot of strategy around it, Um, but it is such an empowering place to be as an athlete. When you show up, you do the work, you prove to yourself you're doing it and you gain that mental strength of stepping outside of your comfort zone it's going to make that last 5K or 10K of your A-goal race next year doable. You're going to be able to flow through it. You're going to have that mental strength to find a way to get through it. And that's a great place to be. All right. So that's this week's episode. I appreciate and love you all so much. I absolutely love the DMs that are coming in. Um, It's me behind the Instagram. So feel free to reach out, share your story. I'd love to hear, you know, what you're up to, what you're training for your favorite parts about the episode or about the podcast in general. Um, and we'd also love Austin. I would love it if you supported the podcast, so you can now, um, donate to the podcast, which is also really fun. And it does kind of up level, our technology and what we get to do every week, which is bringing you content that I hope up levels you in some way, shape or form each week. And you can follow us on social media at Sarah, S-A-Y-R-A-H runs happy and at elevate your running. Thank you so much again for listening this week. Austin and I absolutely appreciate you so much and have a great rest of your week.